Hey everyone, Evan Lewis here, back with another GP Top 3. Really excited to be joined today by Catherine Christie, who is Georgian's Head of Talent. Today we're going to be focusing on the top three ingredients for your talent acquisition strategy to ensure that your culture scales, something that is near and dear to every startup leader's heart. And so uh, without any further ado, I'm going to kick it over to Catherine to introduce herself and to tell everyone a little bit more about what she does at Georgian. Thank you very much, Evan. Happy to be here as always. So nice to meet all of you. I am Catherine. As Evan mentioned, I head up the talent function here at Georgian. Prior to Georgian, I had a bit of an odd path to getting to talent, but I feel like that's actually has made me better in a lot of different ways. But I actually did my undergrad in operations, supply chain management, math, and psychology. <laughs> so a lot of different things. You can tell I was a little undecided on what I wanted to do for my career, but certainly not a whole lot around HR and talents. Fell into it sort of through sports and some things I was doing outside of my actual schoolwork and then realized I didn't know a whole lot about it, but loved it. So I went and did my master's in organizational behavior fully fell in love with everything that has to do with humans and how they work and how they come to work every day. From there, I went into some work in talent acquisition, which is near and dear to my heart. I did a lot of high volume recruiting at Coca-Cola and some higher level recruiting there as well. I did some talent management work uh, and a lot of sort of leadership development work along the way and was in consulting prior to coming to Georgian consulting. I was doing a lot of talent acquisition work and that's really where I fell in love with what we're going to talk about today. Perfect. Catherine, in terms of your role at Georgian, I think the, the two really interesting things that you need to balance are obviously the internal talent acquisition to build up our team, but then also helping our portfolio companies. So maybe if you just sort of touch on how you think about balancing those two roles and then we'll dig into the top three. I think what I love about having those two roles is that I really feel like I'm experiencing what our portfolio is experiencing alongside them as Georgian has gone through a significant amount of growth since I joined over a year and a half ago. And it's been really wonderful getting to spend the time internally with the team and growing our culture as we scale and then being able to assist and support and advise all of our portfolio leaders around their strategies and their growth trajectories and how culture fits into that piece. It's, it's actually, I thought it would be a bit more different, but it's ended up being a really nice synergy between both that I feel like I've been able to bring what I learned from the portfolio companies internally and the other way around too, which has been great. Amazing. So now let's dig into the top three. I think this is particularly interesting, you know, as we all know, Talent is the lifeblood of any company, particularly early stage startups. A lot of investors say they invest in the team, not necessarily the idea or the product, especially in early mm -hmm. stages. And the audience for this podcast is the CEOs and executives of growing companies. So one of the most difficult things you know, that we see a lot is maintaining culture. And as you're scaling up, you know, you're adding tens, 20 you know, 30 uh, employees, sometimes even a month. So you're adding a tremendous amount of talent. And I'd love to talk about your three anchors here for making sure that your talent acquisition strategy scales. So let's start with, we're going to deal with balance selling and evaluating. Then we're going to talk about leveraging data, which is really, really cool. And then calibrating on quality. So let's kick it off with balance selling and evaluating. 
Absolutely. So this one is really interesting. And in the recruiting space, we actually talk a lot about selling and how to get a candidate really engaged and excited about the opportunity, but often it sort of falls away as it gets passed off from the recruiter or sourcer or whoever is doing the first contact. It loses that sort of piece of the puzzle as we get into interviews and case studies and, and the more structured piece of the puzzle. I actually don't see it as all that different to what Georgian does from an investing perspective. At every point along the way, you want to be evaluating if this is going to work as a partnership, just like it would be if you're bringing someone to join your team. But you also want to be showing them what that partnership would look like and getting them excited about the opportunity. And it's much easier said than done, particularly because we are adding tens, twenties of people in you know a month, which can be a lot of work just on a recruiter and also on the team, especially if you don't have a recruiter. So it's definitely easy for me to sit here and say that, but doing it is the key piece that I want to touch on. And when I think about culture overall, it's great to have values written on the wall and it's great to have a mission and a vision and all those wonderful things that, that show the external world what culture is. But day-to-day culture is just the sum total of the people that you have and their motivators and their values and how they make decisions and how they interact with each other. The best way to make sure that that's moving in the right direction is to bring people in the door who will do just that, who will align with your values and make those decisions and make the right trade-offs and be able to sort of evolve the culture in the way that you want it to. If you think about taking an extra week or two or doing a few more touch points with a candidate, collecting a little more data about them, giving them a little more time to spend with the team, that will pay off so much once they join the organization as opposed to bringing someone on who might be counterculture, might just not be that cultural champion, who then can cause a lot of challenges for you once they've already joined the organization. So it's, it's an interesting trade-off, but I always like to think about it from a long-term perspective, slowing down a little bit and finding that balance between evaluating and selling so that in the long-term, we have that person who really adds to our culture. What I find really interesting, and I learned a long time ago as a recruiter, is that an interview should be a conversation. A lot of times we approach the interview as, you know, we have this set of questions we need to get through. We only have this amount of time to do it. And then we give the candidate five minutes at the end to ask us their planned questions that they wrote down and showed up with. And I don't like that. (laughs) I much prefer giving the candidate a view into what it would be like to work with me and what it would be like to have a conversation with me. I make sure I get what I need from that conversation. And I know one of my favorite interviews I ever did was with you, Evan. So I'd love to hear on your side if you had that experience with us at Georgian as we were evolving our recruiting process. Yeah, totally. There's a couple things that come to mind. I think you touched on it briefly there. One of the quotes that sticks with me to this day is your focus on hiring for culture ad, not culture fit. And I thought that was just such a clever way to articulate how you think about the culture, not just being a static thing, but evolving and every new person bringing some sort of new flavor to it. It's dynamic and it's evolving. Everyone feels like they can contribute in their own way. So I thought that was really cool. The other thing that you and Ben did particularly well for me 
was you knew which little nuggets to drop that would particularly pique my interest. I will never forget Ben's wording around having this program that I've been building at Georgia and being like a startup within the organization. And for someone who loves to build as a startup person that I still cling to that. And then I think the other thing too, is knowing that, again, I like to create and I like to have freedom. I was very much encouraged that the role I could sort of shape it and come with my ideas. And that was very much encouraged. So yeah, I think there was a really nice mix. It was almost sneaky that as you guys were selling, you were also sort of helping me sell myself. So very interesting sort of balance between the the give and take and selling and evaluating. So I thought that was really cool. Let's talk about the data thing because the last last conversation we had when we were teeing this up, I thought this was so interesting and something that a lot of companies definitely do not do. I know in my past startups, collecting data so, so that you're recruiting and your talent acquisition has compounding effects and becomes more mm-hmm. uh, impactful and targeted over time, I think is so important. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. For sure. I love the the point about sort of, we dropped the nuggets for you because that's data. So that's what we had yep. collected. And a great example is that I ask every candidate the first time I talk to them, what they absolutely love about their current job. And then I make sure that that data flows through the process and we repeat back to them, what you love at your job isn't disappearing, it's also here at Georgian. And it's to actually be at Georgian, we need to be honest and tell them that if it is or isn't, but those sorts of pieces of the puzzle are all that data that you collect along the way, just as you would, as we would a company or you would a customer and making sure that the value they're, you're showing them about the role is exactly what they're looking for, or at least has a lot of what they're looking for. And when I think about data, I almost like to think about this as a, a simple machine learning program. It's you know based in statistics, part of my undergrad, part of my very fragmented undergrad, but I always like to think about it as a simple regression equation in that every piece of data that we collect through the interview process has a weight. And Often we give more weighting to things that actually aren't as effective at finding high quality candidates that are going to perform and stay and be culture champions and all those wonderful things. And really being willing to change the weights on that regression equation to get us to the sort of ultimate ability to predict as we can. And if we think about all the different ways we can collect data in the interview process, it's a lot more than we think. So there's obviously the subjective data that we can collect by asking them certain questions, asking those questions consistently across different people, uh, making sure that we have panels who are seeing all the different angles of what's happening and recording that. And that data, if we only had one person interviewing, would be truly very subjective. But at least if we can have a few more people look through the same lens, we can start seeing patterns or we can start seeing some things that we want to investigate a little further because this person heard that and that interviewer heard this and there's not a lot of congruence there. And then there's the objective side of the sort of equation that's super important when we think about what types of objective data we can gather with a candidate throughout the process. So things like technical assessments, you know, a study way back in the 80s that is still holding true that was done shows that actually getting the person to do the job is the most 
predictive piece of them being able to do the job. No shocker there. Uh, but <laughs> try and make sure that you actually do that in the interview process in the best way possible. You know, we leverage coding assessments, case studies, different things like that. And then the other side of the equation that you really want to make sure you collect is that cultural values alignment piece of the puzzle and understanding their motivators. You know, one of the biggest predictors of someone staying at an organization is actually if they align with the work environment. That's something we don't often talk about in recruiting. We talk about competencies and skills and making sure they can work hard and all that great stuff. But you know, do they like structure? Do they prefer ambiguity? Do they like to build? Do they like to maintain? Do they like to innovate? Do they like to turn process into programs, all these different things that we can know to be true about our environment, we really need to make sure we see in a candidate and, and help them understand. So overall, the, the data picture, the dream is that you have thousands of samples of these candidates and all this data. That's not the reality in a lot of our organizations. But even if you can make a correlation and I apologize to all the researchers out there, it's probably not gonna be statistically significant, but if you can see patterns in the data, simply down to, okay, everyone who got less than 80 on the technical assessment is in the middle of the pack from a performance perspective at the end of the year. Or maybe there's a certain question that if a candidate failed on that question, they actually left. And starting to try and see those patterns and then feeding them back into your process, adjusting those weights in the regression equation to put more emphasis on those pieces can just continuously make you stronger and help you continue to find those candidates that are going to add to your culture and perform at that moment in time as you evolve as an organization. Awesome. So good. I think it seems so simple given a lot of the stuff you talk about data-driven sales processes. And I at least hadn't thought a lot about making those correlations and having a truly data-driven talent acquisition strategy. So I think that's super, super valuable. And now for the final nugget, this will stick with me forever throughout my career. The concept of having a very high bar for quality and Georgian's rule of it's either a hell yes or a no. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about why you feel calibrating on quality is extremely important. Yes, one of my favorite sayings. And I'll tip my hat to Ben for this because he is the best at it. He's the first person to always say, we're not giving someone a job just because they made it to the end. They have to meet the bar and we need to be comfortable walking away from the entire process if we have to, which I have seen him do. I think that's, it's so important. And when I think about calibrating, it's really defining what quality looks like and not what quality looks like in an ability to interview or having a high quality resume. It's what does quality actually mean on the job? And then let's feed that back into how we're going to evaluate these candidates. Scorecarding is a great way to do it. Uh, thinking about the things that they need to actually deliver, the competencies they need for that now, not based on this role or the competencies that Google says are relevant to a role. It's really what do they need to deliver now at the stage our business is in and what's on the roadmap and do they have the competencies, the values and the skills to be able to do that and making sure everybody in the process understands where that bar is. Using that as the North Star throughout the process is so, so important. And what's really cool is that 
as you start doing it more and more, and as you start hiring more and more, you can use those scorecards to actually validate if we're looking for the right things. And they might evolve, they should evolve as your business is growing and realizing that if you calibrate around a candidate and you could calibrate around a role at that moment in time, you can follow that through and say, oh, you know, were we right on that? Is that really what they needed to deliver? And did we actually find a candidate who can do that? And again, that's another feedback loop into the process to make sure we're looking for the right things. Uh, but so many times I've seen, well, you know, they made it to the end. It was good enough. They were better than everybody else in the candidate pool. We need someone in the seat yesterday, as always. Let's just see if they can do it. Very, very few times have I seen that be successful. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's something about taking a chance on people, but if you've collected the right data and you've done the work to decide what quality looks like, it's so important to stick to that no matter what, no matter how tired you are, or how long it's taken, or how many candidates you've seen. Uh, it's only going to cause problems in the in the future. Yeah, I think that's the type of lesson that resonates with pretty much anyone who's listening to this. I know I've made that exact mistake and it's come back to bite me multiple times. So I think this has been super helpful. Again, the top three of balancing selling and evaluating, leveraging data throughout your talent acquisition process and calibrating with your team around what quality means. KC, you're the best. Thanks so much for joining and uh, thanks everyone for listening. My pleasure. Have a great rest of the day.